On the other side of Texas, history has its place. On the other side of Texas, justice rules the case. They don't like it, they don't love it. They say we're all wrong, but on the other side of Texas halls, we roll on. Hey, thanks for tuning in and telling friends, as always, that you tune in to The Other Side of Texas, othersideoftexas.com, the podcast as well. I'm your host, Jay West Texas Leeson, riding along here in the Racer Car Wash Studios. Racer Car Wash, you know where I get my car, my truck washed. Go do what I do. One of five convenient locations across the Hub City for the best wash around. Guaranteed racerwash.com. Big weekend. The kids have been out of school forever uh, since like December 22. Finally getting back into the move in the morning. If you're a dad like me, you're getting ready for those 6 a.m. mornings where you're on at 6.30. Get up, maybe read a little bit of the good book or whatever you might do and be ready for those little ones as you you get on with the schedule that begins tomorrow morning. Best of the weekend right here. Um, It is, you've seen the meme gas is below two dollars the cowboys are in the playoffs is it the 1990s and what a weekend it was if you're a cowboys fan i'll tell you how i became a cowboys fan i've not always been the most orthodox cowboys fan but uh you know this is something i've learned about parenting and being around kids and especially my own kids, you do with kids what you love doing yourself. And whether that's fixing the truck or doing a little carpentry or whatever it might be, board games, I don't know what your bag is. But I love to watch football on Sundays and, you know, not a devout Cowboys fan, but the boys my twin boys began to really catch on to football and it's one thing that they can do at three hours they can't sit and listen to instructions for three minutes but they can watch football game for three hours and so we kind of became haphazard cowboys fans and now they're huge cowboys fans and tech followed but um what i've just learned is that some of the best parenting because kids spell love t-i-m-e and some of the best parenting is just getting them doing what you're doing and so the cowboys have become our proxy at the house uh, we're big for all they know i've been a huge cowboys fan my whole life really i just like the delight in their eyes and they all have the jerseys and jack is dak prescott and uh charlie little charlie is cole beasley and I can't remember who Sam is right now because it was Des Bryant. It might be Amari Cooper. I can't remember. But they love it. And how about them Cowboys beating the Seahawks and now on to the Rams next weekend. Love it. 
Hope you enjoyed it. I know people like to be antagonistic towards the Cowboys, to be antagonistic, but that always says that they have much deeper issues than just opposing the Cowboys because folks like the Cowboys. Hey, something that we've not done, and by the way, we have Garza County Judge. We had Lovett County Judge Curtis Parrish on the show on Friday talking from more of an urban county perspective, but want to give you the perspective of a rural county judge out in Garza County, Lee Norman, county judge, Garza County, is uh, going to be on with us in about 10 minutes from now to give you a little perspective of what county officials are walking into as the Texas legislature convenes tomorrow uh, and what they expect and what their problems are. And we try to give the other side of Texas view here and we'll do that with uh, County Judge Lee Norman coming up but something that we've not updated you on in some time and what a pleasure it is to play this little ditty again we have some Rager Dykes news for you Rager Gate and uh, try to get that up and uh, hold on being a little bit of a pest our exclusive ditty just for you what do you got I'm doing a dance right now on 19th Street where do you live you know why I live there you know why I have that you know why I got a chance I'm a bad mother I don't play around I'll work my ass off What do you got? And how fortuitous that was the name of our little ditty, What Do You Got? Uh, Because that's the whole question right now at play, is what does Rager Dykes have? Uh, This from Everything Lubbock, our friend James Clark. Rager Dykes on last week responded to Ford Motor Credit saying, in part, Rager Dykes is not dead, end quote, quote, end quote. Ford filed a motion on Friday that would, for all practical purposes, shut down Rager Dykes. A judge has not ruled, but Rager Dykes disputes the claims made by Ford, and not just claims, but several claims. Several Rager Dykes companies filed for bankruptcy on August 1, if you've lived under a rock, more Rager Dykes companies followed suit in November. Rager Dykes has, was accused of default and outright fraud by Ford. While in bankruptcy, Rager Dykes was placed under control of a chief restructuring officer. A plan was developed to sell Rager Dykes dealerships at local auction or at auction, and that plan fell through. A second plan has been in the works. The McDougal Dykes Hewing Group plan, if approved, and that's Mark McDougal out of Lubbock, and that is uh, that is Dykes, Rick Dykes, of course, and then Hewing is a big auto dealer out of Dallas. If approved, that plan would capitalize Rager Dykes with $20 million. The plan 
includes participation by Rager Dy- by Rick Dykes, excuse me, and Ford's motion on Friday did not cast that possibility in complimentary terms. Quote, Rager Dykes is out of money, Rager Dykes said. Rager Dykes is not without a plan to restructure the debts and capitalize its business contrary to what is said by Ford Credit. Rager Dykes said a formal version of the McDougal Dykes Ewing plan would be filed what would be tomorrow in court. It would also include a loan from International Bank of Commerce. Rager Dykes said of Ford's motion on Friday uh, that it should be denied. Rager Dykes said in part, and hear this carefully, we'll break some of this down. Sadly, Ford Motor Credit has chosen to take Rager Dykes into a fire sale liquidation, which Rager Dykes thinks would help no one, including Ford Credit itself. This forced liquidation will only make worse the damage caused by actions taken in early August 2018, which creates a fundamental question if Ford Credit seeks to bury Rager Dykes along with any hope of recovery and resolution to claims and concerns of most, if not all, of the creditors, consumers whose taxes, title, and license fees have yet to be paid current and future employees, landlords, future car buyers, manufacturers, and others, including Lubbock and its surrounding areas, then why? And it's real hard. It's real hard at this point. I, like, I remember doing this program and taking a lot of heat whenever this all came out of the gates because people thought, you know, you're really going against a lot of these employees, like couching it about, well, this is about employees. No, this is about gross negligence and fraud. And they'll have their day, and they are having their day in court. But this is what I was always concerned about, were the innocent people who are getting screwed on their, sorry for my lack of of assaging that, but my my concern that a lot of people, like I've had three people last week ask me, and I asked this, you go listen to audio with Curtis Parrish, I had people asking me, what do I do about my lease because my VIN number is wrong? I mean, who was running that? Was that Ford Motor Credit that, that made those problems? Was that negligence up front? I think probably Rager Dykes implied, back to the story, that Ford's own employees are not innocent in the demise of Rager Dykes. It's not the first time Rager Dykes has said so in the bankruptcy process. They go on to name Shane Smith, um, who was running, uh, let me look, uh, a former chief financial officer, Shane Smith, and his longtime friend, Gary Bird, who is the Ford Credit employee who managed Rager Dykes accounts with Ford Credit. Mr. Bird's son worked for Rager Dykes without the ownership group's knowledge and how he was... Uh, they just question the nature of that relationship. A lot. It just seems a lot of things going on. For such a big, uh, ambitious group, there was, you know, you don't know a lot about leases, neither do I. I believe that was the name of the the commercial. Uh, but it seems like 
you don't know a lot about XYZ, neither do I, seem to be the case. That's just it on the Rager Dykes front. Uh, what do you got? Going to get into a commercial break, tell you what you should get with some fine commercial advertisers with us. And we have Garza County Judge Lee Norman coming up after the break. We'll see you about 90 seconds from now. Cross that old red river, this is what I saw. I saw miles and miles of Texas, all the stars up in the sky. I saw miles and miles of Texas, gonna live here till I die. Go out to the phone lines, want to introduce Judge Lee Norman, County Judge of Crosby, uh, Crosby, Garza County. Judge, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you, Jay. We appreciate you making time to come on the show here. Um, So so Garza County, for listeners, is just adjacent to Lubbock County, uh, to the southeast. And that would be uh, post and to the southeast, right? Yes, on Highway 84. Yeah, so tell us about... um, how many folks do you have in Garza County, Judge? We, part of our industry, if you will, is a prison. And so grand total prisoners and all, we have 6,400 people. I imagine 1,600 to 1,700 of those are federal prisoners. But we, we have about 4,800 folks living in the county and in the city of Post otherwise. Okay, so, but Post being the major, your little known rural metropolis. It's the only city in Garza County, yes. Yeah. Uh, hey, Judge, tell me what the deal is. By the way, let me just throw you a curveball. Sometimes you, we go to Abilene a lot on vacations. Uh, vacations, I, I mean holiday, on like Thanksgiving especially. Why do they narrow it down to one lane? as you come back in to post? I know that happened recently for construction. So it's like any construction all over. I could use the example of Lubbock pretty easily. But anywhere in in, uh, there is construction, we have had some, uh, I tell you, we have a great partnership with TxDOT because if we have a need, our emergency management folks are working hand-in-glove to make those emergency um, ambulance service or law enforcement folks safe. Mm-hmm. And so there's a variety of reasons, but a lot of times it's just maintenance. So it, It's not intended to be a single lane at any one time. Yeah, so we came down on what's the population of Garza County, excluding prisoners? 4,800 okay. or so. About 4,800. So... There are 4,800 people, let's say a couple thousand, vote in an election. How many of them do you know personally? <laughs> I'd say all of them. Mm-hmm. I'd say I know most of the people. I've been here all my life. Yeah, and so you've been judge for 12 years, and you're heading into a 16-year consecutive term, right? Yes. Okay. So tell us a little bit about rural counties. We heard from... A county judge, uh, Curtis Parrish, in Lubbock County, he called Lubbock a Reuben County, that it was rural and urban, but you definitely have a rural county. 
talk to us about things that you see on a day-to-day basis because i always lay down this premise that lubbock does not have cattle guard gates around it that there are the good things can come to fruition in the region and bad things in the region can come to fruition within lubbock county and the city proper uh tell us a little bit about the dynamics of running a county like garza county Jay, I think Curtis is right. It's Lubbock is blessed with a lot of rural counties that support it, but vice versa. So that said, in Garza County, we have a lot of traffic count going to Abilene, going to Dallas, or going east to west. But uh, we're a lot of agriculture, about 70% ranching, and... um, then the prison, um, but also lots of, uh, for prior years, we had a lot of oil income. We were down substantially on that, and so we kind of have to learn to roll with the punches and uh, be, be as conservative, conservative as we can, but we're charged with complying with the Constitution of the state as well as statutes that are passed and uh, so that's our first charge. Mm-hmm. So, so as that pl- comes to bear, as the budget's concerned, what are your primary budget concerns in a rural county like Garza? Well, as I said, we have to comply with <clears throat> we're the judicial arm of the state, dealing with everything from misdemeanors to felonies. Mm-hmm. We get some uh, funding from the state and a lot of support, but still our charge is to provide the courthouse, keep it operational, provide every elected official, which there are 14 of us, with the funds required to do their specific job. Yeah. and Everything from JP to sheriff. Yeah, so those specific jobs range out in what budget categories? Well, you mean... All the jobs go from just of the peace to sheriff to co- uh, commissioner, keeping mm-hmm. the roads up. Okay. Uh, I had juvenile duties this afternoon, so it's quite varied. Yeah, and it can and, vary. And it can vary a lot in rural Texas. And those juvenile duties, they may be every few months. You know, and, and some of those are in small counties, but we still have to provide the full service. Yeah. So, uh, Judge Norman in session, it is Judge Lee Norman with us out in Garza County, giving a rural perspective on issues. Uh, Judge, why don't you talk to us a little bit about what, you said 70% ranching, but lots of rural counties are run by commodities. Give us a little sampling of where uh, the revenues come from in Garza County. Well, the revenues come from the cattle industry, um, primarily cotton in the farming area, some maize, uh, drip irrigation is becoming more established. Uh, just, I see that all across the agricultural spectrum is trying to grow into and learn what the new science is and, and how to improve and be more efficient. So I'm proud of those guys for what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, uh, we have the oil businesses and the service industry too, which is very steady. 
predominantly steady in the county, all depending on the cycle of the oil market. Yeah, uh, we entered the show and we said the Cowboys uh, are in the playoffs and a gallon of gas is below $2, must be the 1990s. But that doesn't always bode well, does it? Well, it it doesn't, and and those uh, old men understand that, just like the cattle men understand the cyclical market in in the cattle market, and and so do the farmers. Mm -hmm. But then, if we know that's coming, we are trying, the commissioners are specifically trying to manage our budget and live within our means. But how do you know it's coming, Judge? Just by the history of it, what was oil two months ago, mm-hmm. $60, and now it's 45 I mean, just that cycle, you know, is going to happen again. For what reasons and when, I don't know anybody that knows that, but that tends to be the trend. Cotton is the same way. It's not particularly high right now, but we just learned to try to manage long term. Yeah. So, Judge, here's where I'm going to go with you. Uh, Lee Norman with us here on the show. A big issue coming into this legislature that kicks off tomorrow is a 2.5% cap, meaning that local governments, whether that be city or county governments, hold rollback elections before property tax revenues can increase two point. At least that's going to be the initial 2.5% or more from the previous year. Currently, signed petitions can call for elections at 8% or more. Uh, Judge, you sit there and you look at your budgets and you look at what's proposed. Currently, it's at 8% and uh, it would draw down to 2.5%. What's your rural perspective on that? Well, in back in 15 and 16, during those two budgets, and I know we were very heavily dependent upon oil. <clears throat> Our values dropped to about 65%. Mm. That is devastating. We were pushing a billion dollars, and today we've recovered just a little, and we're back at $507 million. So we're half of what we were, and our rate, tax rate has increased about Fifty percent. So if you run all the numbers, I think we're about even, while trying to still provide the services required of us. And tell uh, us a little bit about those services, though. Uh, we well, talked about eighty-four. Go ahead. The commissioner's doing their work on the roads. The sheriff doing his work. Uh, Twenty-four hours, three sixty-five. Emergency management doing the same thing. I would assume that um, the numbers I get from ambulance service and emergency management is probably 30% of our fire calls, emergency management calls, are on Highway 84 for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. So they're all committed, very committed to taking care of what what they're called to do. I've got data related data that I'm working with my senator and representatives on and others that'll um, that we can look at that we're very unusual in the fact with the oil market changing so but I can show where our many of our expenses has have gone up expenses have gone up 
things we're trying to manage. I would like to have the flexibility to do that, and my neighbors have different issues. So I don't think it's helpful to put a cap on the property tax revenue at all. Um, I'd like to know where the real problem is. I don't see it in Garza County. We have, like I said, over the last seven years, we've adjusted greatly with the loss in revenue and the slow, or I mean, a limited decline in the tax base, which puts more of the tax burden on the homeowner, the rancher, and farmer. But we're not the problem. Where is it the problem? That's the question I'd like the legislature to look at. They'll, they'll go into session tomorrow, and I'll have the opportunity to sit down with some great senators in a couple of days, and, and that's what we want to talk about. So I'd like to know. the problem being across the state, why you'd want to put a cap sure. at 2.5%. Sure. Uh, tell me this, Judge. There are a lot of people who would be listening who say, and a lot of opponents in the legislature that say, why not just put it up to a vote? Uh, what are you scared of? Um, I'm not asking you what you're scared of, but at a 2.5, what would be your concern of having a rollback rate election? We've had rollback rate elections in Garza County before, and I think we did the best job we knew how to do to explain to the people, your government, your county government costs money. Look at your tax bill. And other than the health care district, we're the smallest tax bill you're going to pay. We've do, we're doing all these services. Do you support us or not? And fortunately, in those two instances, they did. Mm-hmm. Because I believe they're going to believe our local folks. And I think that's going to speak well all over West Texas in this district <clears throat> when, when the issue comes up. But why do we need to be addressing that in rural West Texas. That's, again, where is the real problem? Hmm. I don't see it being in rural West Texas. Where, where then? Where is the problem? That's the question we're going to start looking at. <clears throat> I see, and you can see, the huge, vast cost in higher education. And I can't even begin to talk about it. I don't know about it. But I just do understand, I think, county government. And so let's look at where the problems are. That's what I'm asking. So runaway costs in in education, public and higher. You know, when I look at the county costs, I also look at what the state, what statutes ask us to do. Take the Sandra Bland Act, very important. My sheriff just jumps all over that and takes it so serious to protect the inmates and the uh, jailers and deputies there. But that adds a huge cost to our operations. And I can mu- and multiply that many times. There's where our additional costs are. So I could un- live with unfin- unfunded mandates is the problem then? I could live with 2.5% if you'd cap expenses. Yes, mm. sir, you nailed it. Unfunded mm. mandates. And, it- and a lot need to be done. So we realize that, but don't hamstring us on the revenue side. Help work with us, and 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 our state folks do that. They are trying to work with us. Okay, so let's talk through. Just for example, and this is 
something I've written before. Budgetary algebra of non-growth populations, like in rural counties, cap tax rates, and but they don't count, account for erratic mineral valuations plus potential natural disasters and even the, I'm sure something that makes you cringe, Judge, capital murder trials. Those are all very expensive. Talk to us about, you mentioned the price of oil. But let's say there's a 2.5% on cap rate. And right now, let's say oil comes in at $60 a barrel. Next year, that shifts to uh, $80 a barrel. What does that mean for that 2.5? Talk us through that. You you would think that, I think what we're looking at is not the various fluctuations in minerals and cropland and ranch land uh, it is the net um, the net revenue you get to start with next year the effective rate yeah and so there's your benchmark to begin again there's where your two and a half percent would start right there okay because the county that is just a Oh, just a few thousand dollars per each point. Where you go to Harris County, it's in the millions for that one point. Yeah. Such an extreme. Again, I'd like to find out where the problem is and let's attack the problem. Yeah. Let's talk about that problem. You have time to hang with us through this next break, Judge? I do. Uh, let's talk about that problem as we come up out of the break. Going to get into this about 90 seconds. Be back with uh, Judge Lee Norman there in Garza County. Stick right with us here on Other Side of Texas. On the phone with us is Judge Lee Norman out in Garza County. Judge, a couple of follow-up questions. Glad that you're making time to stick over into the next segment. Uh, you talk about identifying the problem, uh, and I I presume what you mean is from the rural. And for listeners, let me just make a timeout here, Judge. This is going to be a major issue in the Texas legislature, um, something a lot of deals are going to be making. If you're interested in vet school, if you're interested in a lot of other issues, this is going to be a primary issue as we head in. Uh, Judge, whenever we say, whenever you say identify the issue, uh, is there anything in particular that needs to be identified? Well, the leadership has indicated in the last session drastically, and, and it will be back, their property taxes are too high. I can agree with that 100%, but let's look at what those are. That school, uh, county, cities, health care, and as I mentioned earlier, cities. Uh, our ca- counties are ma- normally the smallest of those, if not maybe the health care districts right under it. Um, so I don't know where the problems are. I agree that expenses are growing. I see it in the bureaucracy of our state government. I see it in the bureaucracy of our national government. Um, How many times are we told, well, we have to do this because the the feds are on us? Great excuses, but I really take issue when you say, well, it's a county problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
we're we're doing what we're asked of the state, what the Constitution and statutes dictate, and the bureaucratic, uh, and the uh, all the different offices of the bureaucracy, if you will. The orders they send us, uh, um, following through the Sandra Brand Act, as I mentioned, and so many other things. Maybe they're necessary, but we get no funding with it. But we're told to find a way to do it, and so our local taxpayers pay for those those uh, extra bills, and they keep growing. That's the issue. That's the problem for Garza County. Where is where is the exorbitant growth? Maybe that's where we need to be looking. Yeah, uh, I leave that to the legislature to find that answer. So let me ask you this, Judge, and here's a proposal that's been thrown out. And from my understanding, talking to people in Austin, this is a very likely situation that you could go from that Garza County in certain population bases, let's say 100,000 or less, could be exempted from the 2.5. So you go from 8% in Garza and just a few miles to the northwest into Lubbock County, where it's at 2.5 percent, would you be okay with that? Do you think that uh, that there ought to be two different laws effectively in place for two different Texas counties, or are you still back to find the issue and resolve that and make one for all? I I see the counties of 5,000 having such drastically different issues and of the counties over a million. And that's the Harris and the Travis and those others. And there are about 10 of those or close to it. They just operate at such a different scale. We don't, that's what I said earlier, one fraction of a cent of your property tax there or multi-millions. In Garza County, it's just a few thousand. So it's, it's such drastically different scale. Yeah. I think that's part of the quandary. Yeah, so is it safe to say you as a rural county judge oppose it altogether, or are you willing to be brought into a a carve-out? I oppose the property tax uh, process. Okay. But I do support our legislature finding ways to cut costs. And that may be in certain areas I don't know about. Schools, regulation of cities and counties, those things matter. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we ought to be looking, Judge. Yeah. Okay. Well, Judge Lee Norman, we appreciate you making time here. Anything else you want to throw in? No, thank you. I uh, appreciate the time, and, and this is a very important issue. And we're working for our constituents because they're paying the bill. We understand that. Yeah. Well, as uh, things move along, we hope you'll check back in here on the program. Okay. All right. Thank you. Good to be with you. Uh, Judge Lee Norman there in Garza County. Um, I want to get into a couple of things when we come back. One, the controller has, uh, Glenn Hager, has said there's one 119 billion dollars available for the next biennium what does that mean for schools and then close out the program but uh gonna get in missed our 
a little bit late on this break stick with us and get into those issues if you want to know what's going on you're tuned into the right place we roll along here on the other side be right back with you LubbockFileRoom.com. Uh, going into the legislature, something we always talk about, where's the money? And that's what's going to govern as the legislature kicks off tomorrow. This, uh, about five hours ago as we broadcast live, about 5.45 p.m., Texas controller Glenn Hager. And this is an important issue. If you want to be a real Texas geek, Bob Bullock was had this position. People pronounce it comptroller. But in the old English, it is pronounced controller. So you'll hear people talk about the comptroller, but then you'll hear other people, I believe Ross Ramsey does this, which is why I love Ross Ramsey, says controller. No P there, just in writing, controller. Anyway, Texas controller... Glenn Hager announced Monday that the state will have $119.1 billion for lawmakers to use in putting together the state's 2020 through 2021 budget. Uh, This by Edgar Walters at Texas Tribune. At a time when legislators are vowing to spend more money on public schools and slow the growth of Texas property tax bills, the state should have enough money at its disposal to do just that. That is, if the newest predictions hold true. Texas controller Glenn Hager on Monday offered cautiously optimistic outlook for the Texas economy, telling lawmakers they will have about 8.1% more state funds available to budget for public programs, primarily schools, highways, and health care in 2020 and 2021. Hager projected there would be about $119 billion in state funds available for the next two-year budget, up from $110 billion in the last two-year budget cycle. But falling oil prices in the last month, along with heightened uncertainty in the U.S. economy and international financial markets, led Hager to deliver a cloudy forecast with some trepidation. So Hager is making a prediction, and he's setting out a line on this. And it's all just guess, but it's like 80% guess. And so you have the cloudy part. Quote, We remain cautiously optimistic, but recognize we're unlikely to see continued revenue growth at unusually strong rates we've seen in recent months. He said, in the odd number of years when the legislative branch of Texas's state government convenes in Austin, the controller traditionally kicks things off by gazing into a crystal ball of financial modeling. The result is the biennial revenue estimate delivered as a PowerPoint presentation in an underground capital auditorium which guides lawmakers 
as they decide what to spend on public programs or tax cuts in coming years. The amount of money available can vary greatly depending on how the state's economy performs. While the state's savings account, known as the Rainy Day Fund, is projected to reach a record high balance of $15 billion, lawmakers will debate whether to dip into the Economic Stabilization Fund to pay for bills coming due for the last two-year budget period, including Hurricane Harvey recovery and in the upcoming two-year budget cycle. Now, let me say this. So far, I know a lot of you listen to the program because you want the latest on the vet school. There's a lot out there right now with public education and with Hurricane Harvey. And believe me, a vet school is going to take a back seat to both of those things. The funding for it. And whenever you look at the higher populations and where you look at where the presumptive new speaker lives, where the lieutenant governor is from, where the governor's fund from, those are all Hurricane Harvey areas. And so you better believe that Harvey, we have, and there's a big, there was a big thing today in Amarillo with the Lubbock mayor, with the Lubbock Chamber of Commerce, playing up the um, the vet school and some contributions towards it. But realist, you got to see Hurricane Harvey, a huge issue, and how that's not been cleaned up yet uh, to the extent that people want cleaned up meaning all things made right uh, is still a problem out there. Advocates for greater investment in public schools reacted positively to the revenue estimate, saying lawmakers have no excuse not to increase spending given a growing budget and unprecedentedly larger savings account balance. This is good news, said Eva DeLuna Castro, a budget analyst at the left-leaning Center for Public Policy Priorities. This is enough not to cut state services. One note of fiscal underperformance was slower growth in motor vehicle tax collections. What do you got? I threw that in. Hager noted that car and truck sales did not yield enough tax revenue to reach $5 billion per year which will result in slightly less funding available for the state highway fund than lawmakers had planned for. Um, So a couple of years ago, there was a more gloomy estimate. Now you get some more roses. And, you know, folks say that what we need for public education is about $6 billion. And as we go up from the last budget prediction to this budget prediction you've got that six billion now are we willing to do it that's the question and you know i can't identify i'll speak for myself in the interview that we just had with lubbock or garza county judge lee norman and identify the problem and the problem is this and you're going to hear this multiple times from me the problem is that you pay 55 cents out of every property tax dollar if you're a homeowner or if you're a renter 
or a leaser, you still wind up paying the same. $0.55 cents goes to the state for public education because the state has put in less money for public... It doesn't go into the... I'm sorry, to local... I don't want to get a bunch of texts get blown up about this. $0.55 cents goes to your local school district because their rate stays the same but the state share has dropped and so you've got to make up the state share you're subsidizing the state how's that for an oxymoron that that's exactly what's happening here and there are some folks who are sick and tired of seeing that happen uh fingers being pointed at city councils at uh uh at county commissioners on why this is happening and i think that that's why there is the blowback that the governor's getting on this 2.5 because it is not going to protect uh, property taxes what's going to protect property taxes is the state ponying up and putting in its fair share why that is so difficult for governor abbott i don't understand why that's so difficult for some state leaders to understand i do not understand but that's the case and that's where we are and will they put up the money it's like Ted Mitchell. I was reading through my notes from my interview with Ted Mitchell, Chancellor of Texas Tech, who was on with us last Wednesday. You can go back and listen to that podcast. Um, but rural, you know, we just cited somebody through the Texas Tribune article who was from a left-leaning policy group. But here's the deal. Whenever it comes to public education in rural Texas and in West Texas, you're not talking about rural versus urban. Or, I'm sorry, you're not talking about Republican versus Democrat. You're talking about rural versus urban and suburban members of the Texas legislature. Will ours have uh, the veracity, have the courage to go up and engage in those discussions for public education? Because everybody knows that public education is the lifeblood of every rural community. If you want to see a community die, again, to quote Ted Mitchell, uh, take away health care, uh, accessibility, take away schools. And uh, that's how communities come to pass. Uh, one quick note. I have been critical of Dustin Burroughs in the past, my state representative. But I do want to say this. Um <clears throat> He has managed to become the leader of the uh, Texas Republican Caucus. And uh, to him, congratulations for that. He'll also be giving a uh, nomination speech tomorrow for Dennis Bonin. What a difference two years makes. And I hope, what I hope is that all this translates into some latitude for Burroughs to represent his district. My gripe has centrally been not personal, but it has been about his ability to represent his district. I think he's in a position to do that. And if his people are listening, and I'm sure that they are, um, I'll rally uh, as as he does that. Whether that's through vet school, uh, through other means, um, all you can do is just want a state representative, a state. Um, official 
to represent your district, and he certainly has the latitude to do that now. Um, my words to the weekend as we close out the program started it with the Cowboys game, and those Cowboys, uh, that's the wrong music there, but those Cowboys showing up best of the weekend. Uh, the Cowboys showing up and winning. That was my best of the weekend. My worst of the weekend was not that Texas Tech won. I want Tech to win. We go to all these games. I'm with the boys. The Tech uh, Tech team played up to Kansas State, now ranked number eight in the country. Uh, Kansas has ensued some problems, some injuries. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about how we got slashed inside, but that's not even my worst. My worst is to the lady who stands directly in front of us, who stands up the whole game. Look, this is not Cameron Indoor. This is not Texas Tech versus Texas 2008. Have a seat and let some folks see the game without making us stand up and inconvenience the people behind us. Goodness gracious. That's uh, my worst of the weekend. Is, is She's right in front of the court. Big, bold hair. and everything. I'm tempted. I took a picture of it. I'm tempted to put it up because it burned me up so much. Um, uh, a couple of quick notes as I get out here. Um, lots of comments on that Ted Mitchell interview that I just mentioned. I'm planning on writing on it um, this weekend for your Avalanche Journal, Globe News. Tomorrow... There's a new Texas, it seems. Democrats have a new way going forward. What's the plan in Lubbock County? Because this is always my gripe. Within the Lubbock County stalwarts on the Republican and Democratic side, there's people who've been there forever who just decide, no, this is the way we got to do things. Are the Lubbock County... Dem- this is intriguing to me. Uh Will the Lubbock County Democrats go in to moderate and try to pick off, let's say, public education votes, uh, votes against uh, tax caps uh, and imposing on local control? Or will they double down and try to push a national uh, Democratic agenda in West Texas? It doesn't seem like it would work to me, but we'll see what Lubbock County Democratic Chair John Gibson thinks tomorrow, 5.15 at this time, a very candid conversation with John Gibson, somebody who's very competent, very well, a successful individual, and chair of the party. We'll hear from him for How About Them Cowboys for Judge Lee Norman. We thank you for tuning in to this edition of the program. You can always hear, if you missed the program, OtherSideOfTexas.com. Go to anywhere you can find the podcast and look up Other Side of Texas. Follow us along at OSTX Show on Twitter, Other Side of Texas on Facebook. For now, gonna get home. Gotta get home. Great family, above average dinner. Until next time, rave on, buddies. Rave on. It's who we want to be, belly up and just make it, and two step on the rain.